0: Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis,
1: and this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Hi, Beth. Hi, Christy. I felt like that was so calm and cheery, <laughs> sing-songy. <laughs> this is Christy.
0: <laughs> it did feel a little different, but I was just so dang excited to get on here today. I, don't, I, I mean, know. I don't know why. I, I don't. I can't explain it. Maybe just it's like yes, we're finally back in the routine, and I get to see your smiling face.
1: Yes. <laughs> And it's Thirsty Thursday. We're recording on a Thursday, and it's early in the morning. Both Christy and I have we've sweated it out this morning and worked out. Yeah, we have it's been fun, and now we're ready to get into some podcasting.
0: Yes, I am totally ready. I do have a funny story for you, though. Oh, good. Um, so it was my anniversary. Was it the ninth? So was that last mm-hmm. week? Beginning of this week beginning of this week, Monday. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, so um, I, you know, we went out over the weekend before that and like celebrated and whatever, and we weren't really doing much anyways on that day. So I had just done my normal routine, was going, um, brought my youngest to his basketball. And during basketball, I go shopping and like run errands in that area. So I went to the pool store because I had to get some pool chemicals because I'm in the process of stabilizing all that stuff right now. And I had to get this stuff called muriatic acid, if that's even how you say it, I don't even know. Okay. Anyway, so I end up getting this box of four, so it's a big, heavy box, and I'm carrying it in to the house, and Emery had gotten home from work while I was gone, whatever, and he looks down, and he's like, muriatic acid? Acid? Why are you getting acid? Like, what? what? Is this where it starts? Are (gasps) going to murder me? like is that to like dissolve my body later <laughs> <laughs> Yep,
1: yeah, we're just bringing it in no big deal willy-nilly like look at yeah your it's way. for the pool emery <laughs> <laughs> don't even have to hide it we're just flaunting it
0: <laughs> So, anyways so he had had a rough day at work so he had gone to lay down and we were having friends come over that night so when the people got there I went up to the room and like he had a pillow over his face because he does that to like block out the light and whatever. I pick it up and I'm like, "Are you okay?" Well, he's like, "Yes, but can I just have five more minutes?" And we like chatted for just a couple minutes. And he's like, "Just need five more minutes." And I was like, "Okay." And I like shoved the pillow, and he was like, "Oh God, here it goes. This is it." And I'm like, "Yep, the acid is the next step."
1: <laughs> Emery's got jokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah so on my anniversary he thought i was gonna murder him
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> really is a part of our lives
0: <laughs> he's probably like man if anybody can do it it's yeah. gonna
1: be her <laughs> tell you what these husbands should be in her we are all in here <laughs>
0: yeah dissolve oh. them just throw them in the pool i mean nobody will ever find them
1: <laughs> except for you just gave away on air your plan pillow Cut. acid <laughs> Cut this out we'll edit it out don't worry <laughs> I know nothing no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yep that's my
0: life right now <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs>
0: so anyway so poor husbands
1: uh, <laughs> I know our poor husbands <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you are interested in hearing an actual crime <laughs> I think I might have one for you
1: okay good bring it to me
0: Okay. So, do you want to hear this?
1: (laughs) I do want to hear it. Okay, good. Um,
0: This is a local case for me, and weirdly, it's been on my list for a long time, and I'm just getting around to it because basically we have so many suggestions that turn out to be such good ones that I just choose them over the ones that are on my own list. so.
1: So this was picked by Christy.
0: Yes, it was picked by me, and it just took me a long time to get to it, but now that I have... It turns out that it's the 16th anniversary of this. The events that are about I'm about to tell you about two days ago. So when this is dropping today, <laughs> two days ago was the 16th anniversary Whoa. of this. So and so it's crazy how like I had it on my list to do, and then you know I waited so long, and now it's like it's relevant right now. It's meant so, anyway. to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. So this is the case of Amanda K.
1: Jones. Do you know that name? I don't know that name. I don't know how much that means, but... Right, exactly, because you might recognize it as I talk about it.
0: But anyway, it takes place in Jefferson County, Missouri. It's um, a county that's really just south of St. Louis. It's basically about 40-ish miles from where I live. And it's about 670 square miles and currently probably has about 250,000 people in it. But at the time, it was much smaller in like a rural Area. Um, she was born Amanda Propst to Hugh and Bertha Propst on October seventh, nineteen seventy-eight. So she's my age, essentially.
1: Yes, Bertha. Her so. parents. Something about yeah, the name Bertha. Bertha,
0: Bertha and Hugh.
1: I, know. Hugh. I don't. Hugh is cool, like Hefner.
0: Yeah, I know, but still, they're just very different names. So, <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Her parents describe her as com- a compassionate, beautiful soul. She loves to help people, a family person, and was always willing to hang with her family. By the way, that compassionate, beautiful soul reminds me, did we, I don't know if we posted this or if I just sent it to you, but like, if we've learned anything in the true crime, you say that, and it's like, you better watch out. It's all over for you.
1: If you're a kind, nice person who lights up a room, you're screwed. Yep.
0: Watch out. Yep.
1: We better watch out then, Beth. Look at us. We light up the room. <laughs> Some may anyway, say sorry, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> some
0: um her mom says that she was her best friend, and her dad said that when she was little, she was a total daddy's little girl. Aww. um as an adult, she was the glue that held it all together. She would be the first one there to help if there was an argument in the family, she would be the one to get everyone together and make things right. And at the age of twenty one in nineteen ninety nine she married Scott Jones. She got pregnant, but then they separated in 2000, so it was a pretty short-lived marriage, and officially divorced in 2002. In the meantime, they had their daughter, Hannah. Amanda and Scott share custody, from what I can tell, but I'm thinking that Amanda had a majority of the custody, you know, like, not... um, you know, whatever. She had her most of the time, maybe like primary, weekend, on yeah. weekends. Yeah, primary. I don't know if that's the case, honestly, but just the way the story goes, I, I feel like she does have him her most of the time. Amanda is a loan administrator at a local bank, and she owns a home in Peevely, which I had never even heard of that. It's a teeny tiny little town down there. She is just doing fine as a single mother, and she even starts dating a bit. And in late 2004, she breaks it off with a man that she had been dating for a short time. And just after that, she attends a company Christmas party in December of 2004 at the Hillsborough Civic Center. And this is kind of like the hub of the county. There, there's fairgrounds there. There's weddings that they held there, held there and events like Christmas parties or whatever. And there she meets Brian Westfall, who's a member of the Hillsborough Civic Club, which...
1: Do do you know what civic clubs are? I don't think I do.
0: I I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up, but... It's basically a non-profit organization that operates exclusively for civic, charitable, and educational purposes. So basically, they're there to improve the area of and the neighborhood through volunteer work. Oh, so sort of like a town civic council
1: or something.
0: Kind of, but it's all volunteer. Okay, you know, I mean, I don't know what a town council if you got paid or whatever, but um, yeah, it's all volunteer. And so they're just trying to better the community. And so they had this civic center and this grounds that they all took care of volunteer wise so he works or he's part of this he doesn't work for them he's part of this civic club that's nice so brian is there working the party as part of his volunteer work so because the her company rented right okay the area he's there like working it so the the two chat for a bit throughout the night and one thing leads to another and she ends up going home with him okay and her good yeah i know her good friends say this is very out of character for her, but she had just ended this relationship and who knows what was on her mind and so anyway, they don't
1: nobody's and judging her for this. It's the holidays and it just makes her right. a little extra jolly.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it happens. So not long after this, Amanda finds out that she's pregnant. Oh, and sometimes. at first, yes. At first, she's kind of unsure of who the father is because she had just ended that relationship. And then she has this one night stand with Brian. So she doesn't really know. And But as time goes on, she kind of narrows the timeline down And when she goes to doctor's appointments. And then she's pretty sure that it's Brian's. So in February of 2005, she contacts Brian and asks to meet him at the Civic Center since they really hadn't, I mean, had any contact since. Oh, really? They didn't rendez- continue
1: <laughs> any? Yeah. Okay. No.
0: So she's quite nervous that she's got to tell this guy that she had a one night stand with that she he's going to be a father. So she brings her daughter with her to this, and when she informs Brian, he basically he denies it. He's like, "This isn't my kid," uh, but offers to pay for an abortion. So this is kind of a, where I have a little bit of a question because if he doesn't believe that it's his at all, then why would he offer? You know, why why would he offer to abort some other guy's baby if he doesn't believe? I don't know. I don't know if that's weird to you, but.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we are going to deny it. Well, I I mean, he probably was like, this cannot be mine. But on the off chance that it is, this this would be a much cheaper way to deal with the problem or a much,
0: you know. Right. In my head, he's saying like, that's him kind of saying it's not. I'm not 100 percent sure it's not mine. I'm saying it's not. But I'm not 100% sure, so I'm going to offer this. Right. But anyway. So she's like, Amanda refuses. She's like, I am not. I don't believe in that. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to hurt my baby. She's. I'm totally fine raising this baby on my own if you want nothing to do with it. So fine. Done. Go our separate ways. See you later. Cool. So she goes on with life, finds out she's having a boy, prepares a nursery for him. And then she also decides that she's going to name him Hayden. She is very excited about this baby, and her family is around her and supporting her. As the birth of her son approaches, Amanda wants to give Brian one last chance to step up and be a presence in his life, so she reaches back out to him to talk to him about it. He calls her back on the morning of August 14th, 2005. So this is months, you know, February to August, what's that? Which,
1: by the way, is very fair of her. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Like, she reaches out, he says, it's not mine, and she's like look, okay, I mean, this is my plan, this is my choice, this is what I'm going to do, you can be as involved or not as you want, and then months go by, and she's totally fine doing it by herself still, but she's still trying to let him man up. Right. that's totally fair. She's being very reasonable and really, like, overly fair with him. She could really go after him for paternity and all kinds of stuff, so...
0: Right. And because I'm sure she could prove it once the baby's born. Like mm-hmm. all they need is DNA. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, anyway. So <clears throat> he calls her August 14, 2005. He asks if she will meet him again back at the Civic Center. After this call, she calls her parents and tells them that, oh my gosh, you won't believe it. Brian called me back and he actually wants to talk. And she's super happy about it. So she goes to church with her parents because it's a Sunday morning. This is what their routine was with her family that morning. And after she sends Hannah, her daughter, home with grandma and grandpa and she's like mommy's going to be back in a couple hours, you know, see you soon. And after the break, we're going to find out if oh, Amanda no. kept this promise to Hannah. Hannah So Amanda was supposed to meet Brian at 1 p.m. and possibly go to lunch and talk. Her younger sister, Carrie, wanted to go with her, and she said that she was thinking it was so—she had a bad feeling, she will say, in interviews, but she was also thinking that it was late in her pregnancy, maybe it would be good for you, for someone to be with you. You've had contractions over the last couple weeks. You're just like, you know, essentially weeks to days away from—or days to weeks away from um, giving birth— so why not somebody come with you? It's a hot day. Just have somebody b- back you up. And she had a bad feeling only because she thought, well, this is all of a sudden that he's all of a sudden deciding, okay, yeah, let's talk about this again. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of had a weird feeling. So, But Amanda's like, no, nope, I, I need to do this on my own. Don't come with me. Right. So she left church, leaves Hannah with the parents, and that was the last contact and the last time anybody has ever seen mm. Amanda.
1: Well, any Brian, I'm guessing. Yes, because he does,
0: they do meet up. But this is the last time she sees her family. Around 3 p.m., Hugh, her dad, is kind of like, well, I guess things are going well since we haven't heard from Amanda. But about 30 minutes later, around 3.30, he's like, mm, but I'm kind of worried about it now. Like, It's mm-hmm. really weird that she hasn't called to say, hey, sorry, it's been a while, you know, something, some sort right. of news or update from her. So they call her cell phone, which goes to voicemail. They call her house phone. They call her friends to see if anybody's heard from her. And then they go over to her house because they're thinking, well, maybe if it didn't go well and she was upset by Brian, maybe she went home just to kind of sit for a little bit and, you know, be alone. But she's not there. So Amanda's mother then decides she's going to call Brian, but she's like, I don't have his number. She just knows his name. So she looks in the phone book, which... I mean, it's been a long time since I've looked in a phone book. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) And she literally calls every Westfall that is in the book. And there's a lot of them, she said. And she calls every one of them. And the last one, of course, it has to be the last one, that she gets to, a woman answers. And she asks if Brian's there. And the woman's like, yep, hold on. It turns out this is Brian's mom. And Bertha's like, where's my daughter? As soon as he gets on the phone. And he's like, well, I don't know. Bertha's coming for you, Brian. Right, yeah, Bertha's coming. Did she go into labor? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) And her mom's just so upset that, like, ends up, like, not being able to even talk to him anymore. And the father takes the phone and is like, if anything happens to her, I'm going to hold you responsible. Fair enough.
1: Okay. But while
0: on the call, Brian tells them that they met at one, went to lunch at a restaurant called Off the Hook, and then they came back, and he brought her to her car, and they parted ways. But then later on he like calls them back or something later on in the day and is like, we didn't go to lunch and that they only talked at, in the parking lot and the, and they never made it to lunch. And so his
1: story's is changing. Well, yeah, he thought already. that one through and was like, those restaurant people aren't going to corroborate my story that I was there. So I better re- revamp that.
0: Re- yeah. Oopsie.
1: True, so true. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's not long <clears throat> before the family calls the police and later that day the family finds Amanda's car abandoned in that Civic par- Center parking lot, the door was open, not completely ajar, but just slightly open, and her purse was in there, but there were no keys, no wallet, and her cell- and no cell phone. Nothing
1: okay. was in there, so
0: her purse, just her purse. <clears throat> that night, they got a written statement from Brian, the police get a written statement from Brian, and he then immediately hires a, a lawyer.
1: Hmm. And
0: his statement states that they met at the Civic Center around one and talked for a bit, but she got a phone call at 1.15 and isn't on the phone long, which ends up being her former sister-in-law who was asking her questions about some party and what makeup she needed or something, but, she, but Amanda rushes her off the phone and kind of seems a bit frantic, as she says later on. Hmm. During that meeting, Amanda asked if she could give the baby his last name, Brian's last name. And shows him a photo album that she's already started that has some pregnancy pictures in it and poems that she's found and whatnot. And he let her know that he still does not think that he's the baby's father. So I don't know why he had to meet her again to tell her this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So she gets upset clearly about this because I think she was hoping that he had turned a corner on this idea and whatever and now he's just telling her the same thing. So she got upset, asks to use the bathroom, which he has to unlock for her because he's, you know, working on these grounds. This is again his volunteer work. So he unlocks the door for her. She returns from the restroom and says she's not hungry anymore and just wants to go home. So by 2 a.m., he's heading back to the horse barn where he was volunteering that
1: day and working. Wait, 2 p.m. you mean? Yes. Okay, you said so, a.m.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, two p m. Okay. So by two p m he's heading back, so just an hour, about an hour later, to go back and start working again on the horse barn, and she's apparently leaving. He leaves the grounds around five thirty and states that he saw her still on the sa- on the parking lot, sitting in her car talking on the phone. that's
1: that's like a total of like three and a half hours later, yes, Weird. after they stopped talking, okay. yeah.
0: After he left, he went to a fire department to speak to a a captain, which is verified by this captain. I don't know what he went there for, but he's just telling all the steps that he did. And his girlfriend came over for a bit after that and then leaves. And they also speak with the girlfriend, who was very cooperative at the time. And they had been dating for several years. They actually were even dating when he had his one-night stand with Amanda. and. She knew nothing about that though
1: mm, until She does this now, point. Brian. Right. Yes, so she knew nothing about the midnight the
0: night one night stand and is upset and apparently she still talks to police at the time and she tells them that she had spoken to Brian the night before and he had asked her to bring some rubber-made rubber totes to his house the next evening. He boards her horses apparently and the ones that he had were no longer good, and he needed new ones for his horse trailer. So he asked girlfriend to bring them the next day. I don't know. And he suspicious.
1: did this the night before he was meeting Amanda? hmm Huh. Okay. Yeah. He hadn't told Amanda he was meeting her,
0: because he called her the morning of. Right, right. I'm sure he had it in his head. But anyway. So... She said she was at his house until about 8 or 8.30 that night, never mentioned Amanda or their meeting. He, she never saw anything, uh, anybody else on the grounds, anything else suspicious. But, And at some point, his parents were also at the house, and they also say, you know, we didn't see anything. Nobody was there. We didn't see him doing anything. So she leaves after she gives her statement, talks to Brian and confronts him about this, you know, so-called relationship, oh and they reconcile. Oh. <laughs> and she's... She's okay with it. She's like, oh, fine. It was in you know back in December, whatever. Anyway, and
1: she might be. She also, and She was like, okay. Yeah,
0: I don't. I'd. I'd be pretty pissed and not be able to get over that. But yeah. Anyway. Well, you know. So, so not long after that, she lawyers up too. ooh, with the same
1: lawyer. Weird. What does she need an attorney for? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So as the police speak to other witnesses that were on the grounds that day of the Civic Center, one states that they saw Amanda's car as well <clears throat> in the parking lot at 430, but nobody was in it. Nobody was in the car, around the car, nothing. It was just there. And that those same people ran into Brian when they were um, getting there, and he seemed a little startled to see them. And he said that he was just loading things up to haul out, but they thought that was weird because there was nothing on his trailer at the time. And so, uh, and he had said he was like hauling stuff on his trailer.
1: And he was supposed to be at the horse barn.
0: Right. Which they did see him at the ho- horse barn. Right. And I don't know what he was loading up, but they said he was hauling stuff away. So, anyway, they check her cell phone records, and Verizon confirms that she had gotten that 115 phone call, but no other calls were made to or from her phone after that. Which he said when he left, he saw her sitting in the car on the phone. On the phone, and there at five thirty, there was no other phone calls for that um, to her phone. They also find out that the air conditioning in Amanda's car is not working. So now the question becomes: How could an eight and a half month pregnant woman sit inside her car for hours in the middle of August in Missouri,
1: which is miserable? <laughs> I might add,
0: it's ridiculously hot. All of that with sounds no miserable. AC.
1: Eight months pregnant, hot, a car. It all sounds miserable.
0: Right. And from what we know about Amanda, like, I don't think she would just sit in her car for hours and not let her parents know or not go back and see Hannah, you know, exactly. like, regardless of the situation. <clears throat> so, yeah, talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're lying. <laughs>
0: yeah. Lying. So they search the grounds of the Civic Center, they look for blood in the bathroom, they bring cadaver dogs, they do grid searches, they use ground-penetrating radar, and the FBI comes in with aircraft to search.
1: Whoa. So they were very suspicious of... Yes. ...our boy. Okay. Brian. Brian. Good.
0: They look for disturbed earth, but there's a lot of construction going on on this property at the time, so it's kind of hard, you know, like they're finding a lot of disturbed earth, and then they find out, oh well, it's just because of a construction project or whatever. They search her vehicle. They also keep surveillance, Surveillance. I always have a hard time saying that <laughs> word, <laughs> on the Civic Center to see if anybody comes back to the scene to move anything, like a body or bury anything, whatnot. One of her friends even sat across the street from the civic center in his pickup for days. I mean, I think maybe he took Aww. breaks, but he literally was sitting on the outside of the pickup and he painted cuz he didn't know what else to do on the side of his car. Please help if you drove past here on Sunday. Like literally stenciled wow, with paint what on a the good side of it.
1: Friend.
0: I know cuz they were just looking.
1: for you. I'd do it too for I you. I would too, paint my me. car for you. Well, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, I would, all right. Because well, I, I, I could always paint over it. I would use some of that um, car chalk, you know, that washable, washes off. Washable paint. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'd totally do okay, that thanks. for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, because they're just looking for anybody that may have driven by, that may have seen something that day. So, her family makes flyers, hang them everywhere around the town. Within nine days of starting the investigation, they got 150 leads, but all of the leads go nowhere. It's just like nothing happened. They looked into her ex-husband Scott, but he's ruled out real quickly. There didn't seem to be a motive. They didn't have a tumultuous custody battle or anything, and he actually ends up taking custody of Hannah after Amanda's disappearance, but they rule him out. And actually he ends up dying I think 2
1: years after. Oh that's, no. I don't know. That's of, terrible. I don't know of what.
0: Um but yeah, he passed too. Oh, poor Hannah. So I know. The police c- would clearly like to search Brian's property because he's the last person to see him. Um, they need to and his, look for some totes, plastic bins. Uh, yeah, no kidding. And his family owns hundreds of acres of land, apparently, which he lives on. Mm-hmm. And they ha- they have farmland, wooded areas, cattle areas, just lots of land that they're to cover, to f- search for her. But they're not able to get a warrant to search it. Because according to the FBI, you have to, in order to get a search warrant, you have to have evidence to establish that a crime has occurred in the area that you want to search. Right. And they had they had no- nothing, just that he was the last person to see her. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even on that property. It was somewhere else. Right. So they were able to search the cer- civic center. So motive could factor into getting a search warrant, but it can't be the only thing that they use to determine getting that. So... The only way they were able to search is to get a consent search. And that's when Brian says, you're allowed to come on my property, but he's also able to tell them where Mm. they can and cannot search. And so that's what happens. They go and search, but only the areas that he's like, you can search there
1: and you can search there and you can search there. But definitely don't go in this area right here. Whatever you do, you're not allowed. (laughs) Goodness! (laughs) Goodness! <laughs> Let me
0: mark a- all the areas with, like, white paint that you cannot search.
1: Yeah, that's little
0: suspect. Because if you have nothing to hide, then why can't you just say, go- yep, go ahead, search the entire the entire place. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Go and do it.
1: What do you have in that unmarked area there that we can't search? Right, exactly. Bins? Amanda? Rubbermaid bins? What? Mm-hmm. what a loophole. So, I know,
0: I know, Exactly. They end up coming away with 18 pieces of evidence which they never really specify what they walk away with but nothing is ever connected to Amanda and her disappearance. Hmm. And he's Brian is labeled a, a person of interest but he's never labeled a suspect in this case but he's always been a person of interest. So basically Amanda and Hayden have literally literally vanished without a trace. Okay. Into thin air. Nothing. No, nobody knows what happened to them. I'm 14 getting so years nervous that you're
1: just going to be like in the end. <laughs> oh,
0: no. <laughs> 14 years go by. And in May two thousand May of 2019, volu- a volunteer search group from Nor- North Carolina, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. called the we Q do Center do things, for Missing people. Persons. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, they come with 30 searchers, go back to the civic center, and bring cadaver do- dogs. And they come—basically, they come to search for remains in general. <clears throat> and that's—they're not saying they're looking for Amanda.
1: Okay, they're why did they do forward. this randomly?
0: Well, because oh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Just all of a sudden, it's like it's a group that does do this randomly to help find people that are missing or that could be dead, and they bring their cadaver dogs. So they know that there's somebody that went missing there. They don't specifically say they're looking for Hannah, but they just go out there and looking. And if they find something, they find something.
1: So I feel like we should be a part of something like that. I know. That would be awesome. That's a great uh, thing to do for families. Right. I know. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Should look them up. Q Center for Missing Persons. Um, They are hoping to come up with something, but they don't. And in January of 2020, a giant electronic billboard has this missing picture, missing person's picture of Amanda on it. And so this brings up the case again for the community. And this is actually how I found this case. So I was driving down the road, saw that billboard. No way. In January of 2020. And was like, oh, I want to look into that because that's a local case. So that's how long I've been sitting on this case is since January. Wow. (laughs) It's been a long time. Um, Anyway, because she's still missing to this day, and it's now it's right around the anniversary of her disappearance, which is weird that I had it in January and didn't do it until now. But anyway, so I hope that one day this person, these, this family gets answers. My My parents do not think that she's alive anymore because I mean, knowing the person that she is, she would have come home. She would have called. She would have done something if she was okay to reach out to them. Well, and how did she Um, even get
1: anywhere? Eight months pregnant with no car. Right. Exactly. No, she's... Yeah. Something's happened to this poor woman and her baby. Oh, my gosh. I
0: know. Yeah. It's just... And and Hannah, who's now... I mean, I think the grandparents had custody of her after um, the father passed. So the parents, I mean, they just want closure to this. They don't think she's alive. They just want to know what happened. They said that not knowing is worse than knowing if that she's dead. Like, just the not knowing mm-hmm. what happened at all. So they at least just want to know what happened. Brian clearly is a very suspicious guy, and my money is on him with his Rubbermaid tubs and hundreds of acres that cannot be searched because he's never spoken to the media in all of these 16 years, and he's only given that one written statement the night that she disappeared and has retained his lawyer, along with his girlfriend, for this entire 16 years. And... I mean, her parents are like, he's just never going to talk. If he has a lawyer, he doesn't have to talk any more than he already has. And we're just never like, but this, where can this go? Oh, so my gosh. Just like stuck. And why? I, I don't know. The whole thing, he's just suspicious in general. You keep a lawyer for 16 years on retainer.
1: Well, yes, exactly. And we know that when you are a pregnant woman – you are at most risk of being harmed or hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the number one cause of pregnant women in this country. Yeah. Of Gosh. death. And it's murder. I mean, like, you're at huge risk. So, yes, my money is on that man. I know. He's super, super sketchy. But they won't leave him as a suspect though. So they just And of keep, course he's not gonna talk he's he's been living his life for sixteen years. Right.
0: Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm I'm mad at him. Yeah. I was literally mad at him. I'm mad at the whole
1: thing. Yeah. It's so sad. Oh my gosh. That is a She was
0: such a cute little lady too. Like well, not little. She was five foot eight, so she wasn't short or anything. They actually I have the description of her. And I mean clearly it's probably irrelevant now, but she's five foot eight inches tall, weighed two hundred and fifteen, two hundred and twenty five pounds. She's a bigger lady. Has brown hair with blonde highlights and blue eyes. She loved the color pink. Literally that day she goes to meet him. She has um Pink sleeveless like tank top kind of thing on, a pink white flowered skirt, pink sandals, and she was also had a pink purse that day. She was like all decked out in her pink. Like
1: Elle Woods. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So cute. Oh, bless her heart. Her poor family. Her poor daughter. I mean like, oh my gosh, that poor little girl. I cannot imagine. Can you imagine? I can't imagine if it was my daughter. can't imagine if it was my mother.
0: Yeah. My friend. She's an adult now. Yeah, well, she's, yeah, I think she was four when this
1: happened. So, I mean, she's twenty. She she went her whole life without her mama. Mm-hmm. Bless her yeah. heart. Oh, we need to find justice for Hannah. Yes, so yes. So that she and for those parents. Mm-hmm. So if you have any information, just parents. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to pitch it. <laughs> Call
0: Hugh and Bertha.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're in the phone book. <laughs> yeah, yes they are. <laughs> Did you take a picture of the billboard? I didn't because
0: it was like so quick. We were driving and I, so I saw it and I like barely got her name off the,
1: I bet you can Google her, the billboard. I don't know. Oh yeah. There's
0: pictures. Oh, okay. There's pictures of it because it was, it was on the news that, Mm. oh, this old case is being revived by this electronic billboard, you know, and anyway, Mm. it's, it's, it's out there.
1: Tell you what, these unsolved cases will get me all day.
0: Mm -hmm. I know. I hate them. I hate them, I, I keep like doing
1: them, that. but I think they're disturbing. It's just, mm-hmm. they're more heartbreaking. You're right, right, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to a, um, or maybe I was watching a show or something about a family member, somebody, it was a family member talking about how their loved one had, gone missing and they didn't they suspected that they were dead and they didn't know for sure and it's been years and years and they were saying that you know when a person dies you have a grave you have a memorial you have ashes you have something that you can go to or you know physically be present at to mourn that person and all they Mm -hmm. have is a billboard a missing person's poster that's all they have to go to and so they will go to that missing person's billboard and decorate it and remember that person but it's like what a heartbreaking thing i can't imagine yeah. i know all right well happy monday mm-hmm.
0: welcome back right because no this isn't welcoming back we, no. we uh, would be back <laughs> for a while sorry no, we've been back, See,
1: i'm so off with uh i know but we are <laughs> getting close to serial killer september Yes, and we know y'all are excited about that. So mm-hmm. deep, deep in research with the serial killers, which always gives us the nightmares. Whew, mm-hmm. tell ya. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. So stick with us. We hope you like what you hear. Um, reach out. We love, love hearing from you guys. So keep that coming. It's a great part of what we do and find us on social media so you can see pictures of cute amanda and maybe if you know something you never know you just never know so it'll any tip matters so let's keep her alive you know metaphorically and keep her case alive i guess is what i mean and um always remember the world is scary people suck hide in your closet